Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. All right, good singing, good singing. Turn with me to the book of James. We are almost to the conclusion of our trip through James's letter. One more message for sure, but maybe two. I'm not sure how I'm going to break up the last portion of chapter 5, but we'll see as I begin to prepare for uh, that next week. We're going to be looking at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12 uh, this evening. 7 through 12. We're going to be speaking on this subject, patient suffering. Uh, Patient uh, suffering. Again, we're talking about James. We're talking about a practical manual for authentic Christian living. James is very practical. Uh, James is very to the point. Uh, And so the things that James talks about in his uh, letter uh, to those Jews there in the dispersa uh, is, is very practical information. Things that you and I as Christians should be characteristics of our lives uh, as well. And so we're going to see that tonight, this evening also. So patient suffering, James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. If you found that, please stand as we honor God's uh, word uh, this evening. James writes this, beginning in verse 7. He says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider these uh, those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful, in verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any uh, other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let's pray. Father God, we bow before you again, thanking you for the day. Thank you for this opportunity, God. Thank you for the time that we have here to uh, to hear from you, God, to hear your word, to to hear that practical uh, advice, Lord, not necessarily advice, but those practical commands from Scripture that we're supposed to be obedient to as followers of Jesus Christ. God, there's all kinds of suffering going on in our world. Lord, there's circumstantial suffering. But there's also suffering from those other people who are causing the suffering of others, Lord. And so, as we walk through this passage this evening, God, I pray that we understand as followers of Christ how we can endure uh, this type of, of suffering and how we can be patient 
uh, in the midst of suffering. Lord, we love you and praise you, and it's in Jesus' name that we ask this again. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So how do we remain patient in the midst of suffering? Well, first we need to understand something, that suffering is a reality. Okay, just because we're followers of Jesus Christ doesn't give us a pass on suffering. In fact, because we're followers of Jesus Christ, John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said this about suffering. He said, I have said these things to you, that in me you have peace. But here he says, in the world you will have tribulation. That means troubles, sufferings. But he says this, take heart. What does Jesus say? I have what? I have overcome the world. And so us as followers of Christ, we have Jesus, so we've overcome the world as well. But this fallen world is full of pain. This fallen world is full of, full of suffering. It's full of tribulation. It's full of persecution. It's full of difficulties of all kinds. Yet I want to remind you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this world is not our home. Praise the Lord. This world is not our home. We are transient. We are sojourners, if you will, living and making our way through this difficult world with one thing on our minds. And Paul writes about that to the church there in Thessalonians. First Thessalonians four sixteen through 17, Paul writes this. He says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. One day we'll leave this earth. One day we'll be raptured, whether we're raptured when we are already gone and dead. Or whether we're raptured when we remain here, we have that to look forward to. And so until that time comes, until we are taken, we must remain patient. So James shifts his focus here a bit. In chapter 5, starting in verse 1, James has been getting to talk about, he's, he's warning the rich folks. And he talks about the business leaders, those individuals who went these other places and said, I'm going to go here and do this and do that. But yet they were not taking the Lord and the plans of the Lord into consideration. He then goes on to talk about those who were causing the sufferings of the Lord, those workers, those individuals, those rich people, those wealthy landowners who were taking advantage of those workers, those individuals who were working for them. They weren't giving them their wages that they deserved. And some of them were even taking them to court, bribing the judicial system, condemning those individuals and murdering righteous people. And so James transitions a bit here. He transitions from those rich people to the poor people, those who are being uh, displaced, those who are being condemned, those who are being murdered. And the persecution was intense. It was severe in many cases. And they were being cheated out of their daily wages. They were, they were being uh, murdered. They were being taken advantage of. They were being bribed against. And again, some were even being dragged into court, sentenced and sentenced to a death. So James transitioned and he's speaking to those individuals uh, this evening. But he's also talking to us. 
You know, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, those of us who have been taken advantage of because we're a follower of Christ, those of us who've been uh, laughed at and, and, and all those other things because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And so James's point this evening is this. James encouraged the readers of his letter to remain patient. Remain patient in the midst of your suffering until the Lord comes, even in the midst of all the difficulties that you're going to face. And so for us, it's the same thing. Regardless of the many difficulties we'll face, and if you haven't faced difficulties for the Lord, you will. You will. We will. And in fact, I believe that we're going to face even more as we continue down into the time of the rapture. But we must endure, and we must remain patient until the Lord comes. Because do you understand that the rapture is the only thing left? It's, that's it. The rapture is the only thing left. It could come before we get done with this message. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But any, whenever it does, that's the only thing left. And so that's what we long for, and that's what we seek uh, to happen. So the question is this. How do we remain patient in the midst of suffering and difficulties? What you, James gives us the answer to that question in our passage, and we're going to use some motivations here. So how do we remain patient? Well, there's some motivations that you and I could be motivated by. The first one is that believers should be motivated by a proper perspective. A proper perspective. Look at verses 7 through 9. James says, be patient. It's a command. It's an imperative. He says, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Yet also, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. So James gets right to the point. He says, be patient. Patient there means long-tempered. It means to wait patiently. It speaks uh, more of difficult people than it does of difficult circumstances, although we need to be patient in difficult circumstances as well. Because oftentimes those difficult people are creating difficult circumstances. But what James is specifically talking about here is those difficult people. Remember, these are the poor individuals that James is speaking of. Those who were being taken advantage of. Those who were suffering the persecutions of those who were wealthy, those who were rich. Now, he's writing to those first century Jews. They'd been dispersed. All right? So they were living outside of Palestine. And the reason they were outside of Palestine was because of the persecution. Because of the suffering. They had to flee. They had to flee for their very lives because... Of the persecution that they were enduring at the time. And James says, listen, you need to be patient. Be patient. Now, understand something. This is not coming from a guy that's sitting in his mansion, living the good life. James was being persecuted as well. In fact, James was martyred for the cause. And so James understands what he's talking about. He understands who he's writing to. And he says, be patient until when? He says, until the coming of the Lord. What is James referring to there? He's referring to the rapture. He's referring to the rapture. And so remember now, Christ had ascended many years prior to James's letter to the Jews there of the dispersion. And after Jesus ascended to heaven... Some expected Christ to return quickly. But days stretched into weeks. And weeks stretched into years. 
Years stretched into decades. Decades stretched into centuries. And so some 2,000 years removed from the ascension of Christ, we still wait patiently for the return of Jesus. We still wait for the same thing that these Jews that James is writing to is waiting for. And so the thing with these Jews, if you remember that first that passage in, in 1 Thessalonians, when Jesus does return, you know who's going to go first? These Jews. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are still alive. So that James is telling them, listen, you need to remain patient. Be patient until Christ's return. They were to endure the sufferings. They were endure the hardships of others. And so we are much closer now than we they were then. And so my question to each and every one of you this evening is this. Are you ready? Are you ready for the rapture of the church? Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? If Jesus were to return at this very second would you be part of that group that Paul writes about? The, the, the dead rise first and then those who are remain meet Jesus in the air. Would that be you? Because I'll tell you this, if it's not you, if it's not you, then there's seven years of hell on earth that you're going to have to endure. So I encourage you to make sure that you're not one of those that's going to be left behind. And so if you have questions about that, listen, you need to see me after service and we can talk about uh, that. But James illustrates his point there. He talks about that farmer. And again, this would have been a, a, a very familiar illustration to these individuals because it was an agricultural society. They understood what James was talking about and they understood his illustration here, James is a great illustrator. But he says the farmer, he waits. Right? Wait there, it means to look for. It means to remain in an expectant state. But what was he waiting for? He was waiting for those rains that would come, those early rains and those late rains, because he knew when those early rains came, and he knew when those late rains came, it would produce a precious crop. But he had to wait. So in the midst of his waiting, he had to endure. Well, what was he going to endure? Well, he was going to have to endure. Uh, maybe the rains wouldn't come when exactly when he needed them to. So maybe he would have to endure uh, the, the, the summer heat. Maybe he would have to endure uh, those other things that would cause issues with his uh, crops. But he had to wait. The early rains would usually come in October or November, right during the fall planting season. And the late rains would come sometime around March and April, just before the harvest. So the farmer waited five to six months for the arrival of the rains that would nourish his crops. And again, he waited regardless of the circumstances. He just had to deal with the circumstances. He had to deal with the heat. He had to deal with maybe the cold snaps. He had to deal with whatever would come his way as he waited on those rains. 
And that's, that's what James is telling them. Listen, you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to hang on. You're going to have to deal with your circumstances. Deal with the suffering. Deal with the hardships. But with that eternal perspective in mind. And he goes on in verse 8. He says, listen, you also be patient. Just like the farmer be patient, you need to also be patient. But James adds a little caveat to this. He says, establish your hearts. So not only be patient, but establish your hearts. Establish there means to make firm. It means to conform one's mind to the, to stay the course. I mean, here's the thing. James understood, listen, it's easy for me to tell you to be patient. And that it's easy for you to say you're going to be patient. But if you don't establish your hearts, in other words, if you don't make a firm declaration and stick your foot in the ground and say, listen, I'm going to establish my heart regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances. And so James was not only encouraging them and imploring them to be patient, but also to establish your heart to make firm that you're going to stay the course. Well, what course? We well, talks about it again. He, he mentions it one more time. He says, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Is at hand means it's imminent. Imminent. The imminent return of Jesus Christ literally means to draw near. The return of Jesus is drawing near, James is saying. It's imminent. It's around the corner, so to speak. It's right down the road. And so James is telling those Jews, listen, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be struggles. They already know that. They already realize. But he said, but be patient. Establish your hearts. Make sure, be, be firm in your, in, 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 your, in your steadfastness because the coming of the Lord is at hand. God is coming back. He is coming back. And so when you talk about our evangelism focus, this is our evangelism focus. This is why we want to share the gospel. This is why we want to reach out to a lost and dying world because Jesus is coming back. His return is imminent. It's drawing near. And so I want to be the one that shares the gospel. And I'll just use my, my, my family as, as an example. I want to be the one that shares the gospel with my mother and my father, letting them know, listen, the return of Jesus Christ is imminent. And I want you to know, if you're lost and if you haven't accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior, this is the result. This is what's going to happen. And so James goes on in verse 9, he says, because of this, because that the, the Lord's coming is near, he says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You ever wonder why we spend so much time arguing with one another? If we spend as much time sharing the gospel... As we do as a church, arguing about this and arguing about that and grumbling with each other and grumbling with each other about that, man, I wonder just how how much of a how much of a uh, an impact we would make uh, for the gospel. But they were fussing. 
They were fussing amongst themselves about their financial duress. Oh, woe is me. Do you see what they're doing? Do you see what I'm dealing with over here? They were bemoaning each other's state of affairs. You know, they were sitting around looking at everybody and sitting around and, you know, just, 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 just crying over their, over their situation and crying over their circumstances and what they were dealing with. And James says, listen, don't grumble about those things. We don't have time to grumble. The coming of the Lord is near. The coming of the Lord is imminent. It's just around the corner. And so we don't have time to grumble. Because here's one of the things that we deal with in in, in the church today. When we bicker and fuss amongst ourselves, what does a watching world see? Them Christians can't even get along. And I'm a firm believer. I don't know if this is scriptural or not. And it's not scriptural. I don't know. But this is just what I believe. I believe that those people that you fuss and fight with that are your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you get to heaven, you know who you're going to be standing beside? Those same people. That's just that's just my thought process. It's not biblical. And don't go home and don't go out and tell people that either. But I just think that, you know, God has a sense of humor, y'all. But they were grumbling, they were fussing, and they were fighting amongst themselves, bemoaning what was going on. And James said, listen, you don't need to be the judge here. Because there is a judge, you notice the capital J, and that judge is standing at the door. He's ready to, the, one commentator said, he's ready to throw open the door and burst into the, onto the judgment scene. And this is the righteous judge, the holy judge. Said James, quit worrying about all those things. Quit grumbling with one another, fighting and fussing with one another because God's return is near. So let's get out and do the work that we've been called to do. Just be patient in your suffering. Just deal with what's going on. Stories told about a man who found out out it was his time to go to heaven. He asked the Lord if he could bring just one thing. The Lord said no. Finally, after many requests, the Lord said, you can bring one thing. So happily, the man packed his suitcase full of gold. When he arrived in heaven, the angel said, sorry, you can't bring that in here. And he said, the Lord said I could. Okay, they said. By the way, what's in there anyway? The man opened the bag and they looked in. Then an angel said, oh, It's pavement. (laughs) Colossians 3.2 said that Paul writes this. He says, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. We have to have an eternal perspective, y'all. We have to realize that Christ is, his coming is imminent. Is it going to be today? I don't know. Tomorrow? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us when it's going to be. But it is imminent. It is drawing near. I'll tell you this. We're closer today than they were then. Because he hasn't come yet. But our perspective must be an eternal one. We must see eternity. And we've got to see that from the point of view that, listen, these folks that we are lost around us, everything around all those people, there's, they, have, they have an eternal perspective as well. They have an eternal destination, either heaven or hell. And you and I have an opportunity to make a difference in that. 
And so our motivation is to be patient and to endure. It comes from the hope found in the assurance that Jesus will return. And when he does return, and this is great news, all suffering will come to an end. There'll be no more. So we got to have a proper perspective. But Paul goes on. He gives a second motivation. Believers should be motivated by the example of others. The example of others. Look at verses 10 and 11. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who uh, remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Those prophets that James is writing about, they spoke in the name of the Lord. And because they spoke in the name of the Lord, they suffered. They suffered for their, uh, their, their support. They suffered for being called a prophet. They suffered for what God had called them to do. Yet they remained faithful. They remained faithful. Now we all want good role models. We want good role models for our kids. We want to be good role models. You know, those role models who, who do and say the right things. Who live the right kind of lives. Lives that are sold out to the Lord regardless of the situation. Regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of the suffering they may face from others. The prophets did just that. The prophets are good role models for us to follow. To look at their lives and say, man, some of these guys were just ordinary dudes. They weren't born as prophets. Amos wasn't born as a prophet. Amos was a farmer. He was a farmer. He was a tender of sycamore uh, leaves. But God called him to be a prophet. God called him to speak his words. And Amos suffered for that. But even in the midst of that, even in the midst of those difficult people, they remained steadfast and patient. Let me give you some examples. Moses. Remember the patience of Moses? When he had to deal with the people of Israel. The trip from Egypt to the promised land should have taken 11 days. It took 40 years. 40 years. But Moses had to deal with those people for 40 years. Amos. They said he was a shepherd. He was a farmer. But God called him the second. He a prophet. Now, the legend has it that Amos died a violent death at the hands of Jeroboam the second. Now, there's no historical record of that. But Amos suffered for being God's prophet. But he endured. Elijah. You remember Elijah? Elijah, he, he's, he's a part of one of the greatest stories and one of my favorite stories in, in Scripture when he calls fire down from heaven. Um, but he faced hostility from Jezebel and King Ahaz. They both wanted to take his life. Jeremiah. You know what Jeremiah's nickname was? The Weeping Prophet. Because he cried all the time. Because of the suffering that he faced. The ridicule that Jeremiah faced. He endured opposition his entire ministry. Jeremiah 18, 20, 26, 32, 37, 38, 43, and 44. Just take a look at those chapters and you'll see. Ezekiel. 
He endured the death of his wife during his ministry. All because he was called to be a prophet of God. God took his wife. Daniel. You remember Daniel. Daniel, when he was a young boy, he was torn away from his home. He was exiled into, to, to Babylon. Not only that, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because he was a follower of God. And he, he did what God asked him to do. And he endured that suffering. Hosea. Hosea had a heartbreaking marriage to Gomer, a prostitute. God told Hosea to marry Gomer. Gomer was a picture of Israel. And they're prostituting themselves to other gods and all those other things. And, and Hosea had to go and he had to marry Gomer and all this whole thing. is It's, it's a crazy, crazy story. But Hosea had to suffer. For his allegiance to the Lord. John the Baptist. John the Baptist was imprisoned by Herod. And eventually beheaded. For his testimony. And if you remember that story. The head of John the Baptist is brought out on a platter. I called this as I was studying this passage. It sounds like the first century cancel culture. Everybody knows what cancel culture is right? We live in a canceled culture society. It's driven by the idea of tolerance. But it's really the idea of canceling anyone who has a different view than you might hold or think about it. Dr. Seuss. And so this was first century cancel culture. Think about it. Dr. Seuss is being canceled. Politicians across the board are being canceled. Now, some of them do need to be canceled. Don't get me wrong. But some of them are being canceled just because of the positions that they hold. Media personalities, athletes, actors and actresses, comedians, business people, you know, ordinary people like me and you. Pastors and other church people and the church as a whole, we're being canceled. You think about the covid situation and how we were canceled. The church was canceled, literally canceled. You know, by the world and by the government. And so this was the first century cancel culture. And the cancel, the church is being canceled. Pastors are being canceled because we speak, thus saith the Lord. And the world can't handle that. Society can't handle that. And so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to endure. We're going to be patient. And we're going to be blessed for it, the Bible says. James says, behold, we can consider those blessed. That means happy, who remained steadfast. Were they happy about their circumstances? No, they weren't happy about their circumstances. What made them happy was because they endured. They patiently endured the sufferings that they faced at the hands of others. He gives the example of Job. You know, Job is, 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 is the, uh, the quintessential example of an individual who faced suffering. And he, and he, made, he made it through uh, the suffering. You remember the story of Job? Job lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his possessions. He lost his health. He got poor advice from his so-called friends. Yet Job remained 
patient. Job remained steadfast in the midst of all his suffering. And if you remember at the end of that book, Job was blessed. Even more than he was when he lost everything. He was blessed with a double portion. Why? Because he endured. He endured the suffering that he faced. He endured the poor advice from his friends. He endured what God had had tested him with because God had a purpose. God had a purpose. Second Corinthians Light Moment 17, Paul reminds us of this. For this light momentary affliction, he's talking about the, the treasure that's in this jars of clay, our body, uh, if you will. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's why we endure. That's why we patiently uh, endure the sufferings, because we know that eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And James says, the Lord, he is compassionate. And the Lord is a merciful Lord. That word compassion, when you see that word compassion, Jesus was compassionate on the crowds. It, it speaks of an inner uh, uh, in, an inner compassion. It's almost, it's it really the bowels is where it comes from. But it wells up inside an individual and they're compassionate about uh, what they see and what they hear. And God is a merciful God. Think about it. Jesus left the glories of heaven. He willingly came down to this earth. Jesus suffered on my behalf and your behalf. He suffered ridicule. He was spit upon. Those of you that had a beard, Jesus had his beard pulled out of his face. That hurts. He was flogged. He was hung on a cross. Yet Jesus patiently endured every bit of that suffering. Why? For me and for you. For me and for you. Christ is our example. These other prophets are our examples. Hebrews chapter 11. The the, the whole entire chapter of Hebrews. But particularly chapter 11 verses 36 and 38 38 says this about these uh, prophets. He says, others, they were stoning and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and get this, they were sawn in two. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. And that may have been James, what happened to James. He may have been sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So we need to look to these individuals as the example of patient endurance and patient suffering. And we need to seek those around us that are that way as well as they run the race. They've suffered many hardships. They've suffered many difficulties. And some have even given their lives for the gospel. Are you willing to give your life for the gospel? I have to ask myself the same thing. Am I willing to give my life for the gospel? 
Am I willing to, to endure the sufferings? Am I willing to endure the cancel culture? Am I willing to endure all those things? Because I know that one day my Lord is going to break through that sky and break through those clouds. And he's going to come down and I'm going to meet him in the air and I'm going to be with him forever. They were motivated by the very idea that people need the Lord and they were going to be the ones to tell them about him. So one final thing this evening. The motivated believers should be motivated by truthful speech. Look at verse 12. But above all, brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now there's debate about this passage, this section or this 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 verse. You know, some debate on whether or not, you know, how it fits into uh, verses 7 through 11, or if it even does. You know, some suggest it could be the beginning of a three-part conclusion. you got chapter, uh, verse 12, you got uh, verse 13 through 18, and then 19 and 20. And others suggest that it may just be referring back to uh, what James is talking about here in this passage of Scripture, i.e. the grumbling in chapter 9. James said, listen, don't quit grumbling about things. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say yes, mean it. If you say no, mean it. So regardless of what we think, or what the, the Scott, well, regardless of, of, of the debate that goes on there, when we think about our speech, we need to understand we need to be truthful. We need to tell the truth. Plus, be patient. We need to tell the truth. We can That can help us be patient. That can help us endure our sufferings. Because here it is. It's easy, easier to endure suffering when you know you're standing upon the truth. When you know you're speaking the truth. Yes? As opposed to, well, I don't know whether I'm speaking the truth or I don't know whether I'm standing on the truth. So I may step to the side a bit when I'm beginning to suffer. Or I may defer that suffering to somebody else. And so out of our speech needs to be truthful, James is saying. We need to be blameless in the words that we say. He mentions swearing oaths. Now, swearing there means it's not an illicit, uh, not uh, speaking of illicit speech. In other words, he's not talking about dirty talk. He's not talking about bad words and filthy language and, you know, that stuff that mama would wash your mouth out with soap. Y'all ever had that happen to you? I did. About every day. He's not talking about those things. He's talking about honest talk and, and dishonest talk. He's talking about don't be a liar. You know, don't be a liar. Now, the Jews, when they would swear an oath, they wouldn't swear by the name of God, but they would swear sometimes by the angels or by the temple. So James says, listen, don't worry about doing any of that thing. First of all, you don't just, just avoid swearing on anything anyway, is what James would be saying. But he says, if you do, don't do it on heaven or hell. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 and 22 talks about vow keeping and keeping those vows. It says the same thing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. What do you mean by that? That means if I say I'm going to do something and I say yes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it. If I say no, I'm not going to do it. 
It's simple as that. And so we've got to stand on that truthful speech. We've got to try to avoid swearing altogether. I mean, our government lies. Politicians lie. Scientists lie. Children lie. Educators lie. Ministers lie. Churches lie. We can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And that's all unfortunate. That's all unfortunate. But it should never be the characteristics of a follower of Jesus Christ. Never. Now, those people... Okay, preacher, what about those people that are in the mission field? What about those people... And I'll give you an example. We had a a family uh, that we supported when we were in Scriven. They had a boat ministry. And they would take their boat ministry and the boat would be full of paraphernalia, uh, Bibles and, and things that they would need. And they would smuggle that into Cuba. So when I use the word smuggle... You know, you're, you're going to have to lie to get into these places. And so what about those types of things? Listen, I don't know how to, 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 to parse all that out and flesh it all out. But all I know is they were doing the Lord's work. And God will bless that. That's, that's what I know. But James is not talking about that here. What he's talking about is, listen, man, when you say yes, make it yes. Just do it. Make your speech be truthful in your general conversation. Don't grumble about anything. Just be true to your word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, he says, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything else more than this comes from the evil one. So the world's full of liars. We all know that. But Christians should not find themselves in that category. We need to be honest. We need to be truthful. We need to make sure that our yes means yes and our no means no. We need to stand on the truths of God's Word. So, how do we remain patient and suffering? Well, we've seen three motivations this evening from James. The first one is this. We need to have a proper perspective. Our perspective needs to be an eternal perspective. We can't look at our situation and our circumstances. We can't look at our suffering because when we look at that, then that's all we see. Excuse me. So we need to make sure that we have that eternal perspective. We need to make sure that we understand that Jesus Christ is going to come. The rapture is going to happen. Second thing is we need to look to the example of others. Look to those individuals in your life that, that, that are enduring some suffering for the gospel. And finally, we need to make sure our speech is truthful. We need to stand upon the truth, and then we need to make sure that what we say is true. So that we're blameless in the eyes of the world. And then as we speak the truth... Listen, I know to ourselves when we begin to suffer for that truth. Listen, I know that I'm standing upon the truth. I know that what I say is true. I know that I'm suffering because I am speaking the truth. And that will be so much easier for us to endure. It won't be 
I mean, it's still going to be tough. It's still going to be difficult. But it'll be much, much easier to endure. So we need, as Christians, we need to uh, remain patient in our suffering and follow these motivations uh, from James as we move about in our Christian lives. And first and foremost, we need to make sure that we're Christians. We need to make sure that we're followers of Jesus Christ because you can't endure the sufferings that are going to come upon you if you're not a follower of Christ. And so we need to make sure that that is our first priority, that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, that we have repented of our sins, that we have asked Jesus into our lives, that we have been born again, if you will. We have confessed our sins and all those things that go along with salvation. And again, if you need to uh, talk to me about that after the service, we can certainly uh, do that. So as we move closer to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, let's make sure we have the proper perspective. Let's make sure we have an eternal perspective. Let's make sure that we look to the examples of those maybe who have gone before us or those who are going through it now, the suffering for, for the gospel. And let's make sure that our speech is truthful speech. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you again thanking you, Lord, for the glorious day that you've given us. And God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the practicality of your word. We're thankful that we can read your scriptures And as you illuminate that scripture to us, Lord, we can say, man, right there it is. The application is oftentimes in the scripture and in the book of James, it's in there over and over and over and over and over again. So I pray as we all leave and we all go about our days and go about our separate ways, Lord, and we begin to face the suffering that we as followers of Christ are going to face if we haven't faced it already, that we have that eternal perspective. That you will come. You are coming. Lord, that we look to the example of others, those positive role models that that have endured the the sufferings, that are continued to endure uh, the sufferings, and they do it in, in a patient way. And that our truth, our speak the truth, is truthful. That way when we speak the truth and we stand upon the truth and then we suffer for that, we can be confident that we're suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Father, again, we love you and we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for this glorious, glorious day that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.